Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Retrolist. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the dark side of nostalgia today. That's when your opinion is shaded by something from your past, and it causes you not to like something. So as I've said many times on the show, I used to work in a video store. I loved the job. I got to hang out with fans of movies. I got to watch a lot of movies, and sometimes I even did a little work. At one point, we were getting a lot of new managers. Like every month, a new manager would come into the store. For some reason or another, it wouldn't work out, and they would move on. It was during the reign of a manager who was very difficult to work with that the movie Point Break came out on video cassette. This manager loved Point Break. And even though we had rules about what we could watch at the store, certain times you weren't supposed to show movies that were very violent, he would put it on all the time and then would sort of yell at us the lines from the movie. Now the thing is, this sort of shaded my view of Point Break. And I didn't even know why. On paper, I should love this movie. But having a very difficult person love it and kind of cram it down your throat could put you off to it. It has taken me decades to start to appreciate the film, despite people in my life loving this film and telling me I should as well. It was just a couple of weeks ago when I was watching TV and the movie The Fast and the Furious came on, which I had never watched up till that point. And when I'm watching it, I keep thinking, this is very similar to Point Break. So then I put on Point Break and I thought, this is a better movie than Fast and the Furious. And it really is a better movie than Fast and the Furious. It's a better movie than a lot of movies. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about Point Break. I'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about some of the stunts. We'll learn a little bit about surfing. And we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us. So without further ado, let's start the show. Point Break is a 1991 action thriller. It was directed by Catherine Bigelow and starred Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Laurie Petty, and Gary Busey. The film reputedly came from the mind of co-producer Rick King. He was lounging on a beach and he had, was reading an article about how Los Angeles was the bank robbery capital of America. And he thought, wouldn't it be cool if the bank robbers were stealing this money in order to enable themselves to live this fun lifestyle. He recruited screenwriter Peter Illiff. Illiff wrote the script for just $6,000, and that wasn't very high. In fact, he had to wait tables at a restaurant during the day while going home to write the script at night. Illiff was born in 1957. He's a writer and director. 
probably best known for his work on Varsity Blues and both Point Breaks. Yes, there was a Point Break remake. We'll talk about that later. Before the movie went into production, the director, Catherine Bigelow, and her then-husband, James Cameron, of Titanic, Terminator, and Aliens fame, rewrote the ending together. And we'll talk a little bit about that ending later as well. Point Break went through a lot of iterations before it finally became the movie that you would see. At one point, Ridley Scott was attached to direct the film. Eventually, the film would fall into the able hands of Catherine Bigelow, who is now Academy Award winner Catherine Bigelow. She had just completed the underrated Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis and was really sharpening her ability to do action films. This was a perfect film for her. She would follow it up with another film that shows her capabilities, Strange Days. I think it's a pretty good movie, but unfortunately it was a commercial failure. Bigelow was born in 1951, probably best known for some of the stuff she's been doing lately. The Hurt Locker, Zero Dark Thirty, but she directed films like Point Break, that vampire film Near Dark, amongst other things. Very talented and really knows how to do a good action film. The movie was originally going to be called Johnny Utah, which is the name of the main character in the film played by Keanu Reeves. But the studio wasn't sure that was a good name for the film because what is that about? Who is Johnny Utah? So they decided to change the name to Riders on the Storm after the Doors song. Kind of evocative. Eventually, they decided to use the term Point Break, which is a surfing term, which is both evocative and generic at the same time. Fun fact, in Spain, the movie is called They Call Him Bodhi, and Bodhi is the name of Patrick Swayze's character. So, shows which character might steal some scenes in this movie, and we'll talk a little bit about the scene stealer that is Patrick Swayze in a little bit. The film was shot in multiple locations, in Utah, California, and Oregon. There's a very famous scene at the end of the film that's supposed to be at Bell's Beach in Australia. People might be bothered to know that they did not go down there to film it. Instead, that's filmed in Oregon at a beach called Indian Beach. There's a lot of surfing in this film. It's a movie about robbing banks and surfing. And the main stars of the film who surf, Swayze, Reeves, and Laurie Petty, had mixed surfing experience. Swayze, who's a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, had done some surfing. Keanu Reeves had done none, although after the film he would continue to surf as a hobby. And Laurie Petty had never even been in the ocean before, so they all had to take surfing lessons. They took to it well enough, but a lot of the surfing you see is actually by stunt doubles, but it's masterfully edited to appear as if these people are surfing. So what is a point break? A point break refers to the place where waves hit a point of land or rocks jutting out from the coastline. They can break either left or right, and in rare cases they'll form a center peak which breaks both ways around a central headland. I guess I would need to surf to really fully understand why or how that is, but for the most part that makes sense. Adios, amigo! Only one man is crazy enough to pull a stunt like this. Only one man is crazy enough to go after it. You pull a cord! Patrick Swayze. Now you pull it! Six seconds! Keanu Reeves. Pull it! Point Break. Rated R. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot of the film. I don't think I could do it justice. It's pretty crazy. The movie's about an FBI agent and former football player, Johnny Utah, played by Keanu Reeves who gets hooked up with Angelo Pappas, played by Gary Busey. And Angelo has this theory about these bank robberies that are happening in L.A. And these bank robberies are happening by these guys who wear 
ex-presidents' masks, so rubber masks of former presidents like Jimmy Carter, Richard Nixon, Lyndon Johnson, and Ronald Reagan. He thinks that these guys are surfers. Reeves gets paired with them and has to go undercover with some surfers. He starts to like the surfers, especially two surfers, Bodie, played by Patrick Swayze, who is the leader, and Tyler Endicott, played by Lori Petty. There's some bonding going on, lots of extreme sports stuff, this football game that seems to be going on forever, and that football game is played on the same beach that they use for the soccer game in Karate Kid. It's a fun fact. Reeves gets close to them. They find out he's a FBI agent. Things keep going from there as Bodhi and him still have some weird bond, and yet he's trying to foil him, and a lot of people die. Bodhi escapes. Eventually, at the very end, Johnny Utah and a guess a massive international manhunt finds Bodhi down in Victoria, Australia at Bell's Beach, which I mentioned earlier. Now, the thing about this is the beginning, they talk about these 50-year storms. This idea that once every 50 years, there's these massive waves that will kill you. And wouldn't it be amazing to surf those? Amazingly, that is coming up right at the end of this movie. So nine months, these killer waves are there. And Utah catches Bodhi before he's about to go out and can't bring himself to arrest him before he gets to surf these waves and die. And he lets him go out, and we don't really see it, but we presume that he died. Got a passport of yours in Sumatra. Missed you by about a week in Fiji. But I knew you wouldn't miss a 50-year storm, Bodhi. Yeah. Although it's odd is, I kind of thought we would see him surf in the wave a little bit. It destroys him. Because we do not see him die or get confirmation, we could say that maybe he lived. According to James Cameron, that is not the case at all. He did die. Although sequels were shopped around on this film, and in those, both Bodie and Johnny Utah would have been reunited. Before I go on, there's a great parachute scene that is just bonkers. The thing about it is Patrick Swayze, as I said, jack of all trades, was an avid skydiver. So he actually jumps out of the plane himself. The TV show Mythbusters did a whole segment on this scene from Point Break, and they determined that some of it is realistic, the ability to jump without a parachute and grab onto somebody. But they also determined that you couldn't have a conversation. The scene went on too long. Still, it's a great episode of Mythbusters. It's often posted on YouTube, so you can track that down. Now, a little bit about the cast of the film. Patrick Swayze played Bodhi. It's arguable who the star of this film is, but I'm going to say it's Patrick Swayze because in 1991, we're at peak Patrick Swayze, and he really does steal a lot of this movie. Michael Bean, the actor, who worked a lot with James Cameron, has said that he was briefly in talks to play Bodhi himself. I'm kind of glad it fell through. I think that Patrick Swayze was the perfect person for this role. Swayze had a quite a career. Unfortunately, died young in 2009. Some of his standout roles, Red Dawn, Youngblood, Ghost, Roadhouse, Point Break. Really talented guy. There's a famous appearance by Patrick Swayze on Saturday Night Live that takes place around this same time, and he's got the wonderful Bodie hair, still surfer hair going on. The late 80s, early 90s were a great time to be Patrick Swayze. Keanu Reeves played Johnny Utah. He's an FBI agent. There was a lot of people up for this role. Charlie Sheen, Val Kilmer, Johnny Depp, Matthew Broderick. I don't know if any of those people would be a good choice. They would have changed a lot of the film by taking the role. 
the name Johnny Utah is actually an ode to the NFL quarterback Joe Montana, although there's a nice Johnny in there, so you could tie it into Johnny Unitas. Patrick Swayze originally auditioned for the role of Johnny Utah, but they did the right thing and made him Bodie. Keanu Reeves, born in 1964, still making movies today, very well-known actor. Point Break, Speed, The Matrix, the John Wick franchise, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. This is an interesting time for Keanu because up until this point, you would just know him, most likely, for his role in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And then he would go on to make all these action films. So you can kind of see this as a perfect bridge because his character's a little Bill and Ted's as well. They didn't want him in this role. Bigelow is quite insistent that he's the person that they cast. It was a good casting. Laurie Petty played Tyler Endicott, born in 1963, still working today. Did some work on Orange is the New Black recently. Early 90s, though. She was in this, A League of Their Own. And then I think the peak of her career would be Tank Girl, which is still a cult classic. Gary Busey played FBI agent Angelo Pappas. William Gary Busey, born in 1944. Quite a career. He was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor for playing Buddy Holly in 1978. Since then, has done a boatload of movies. Perfect casting for this film. One of my favorite parts of the movie is where he requests two meatball subs. It's time for lunch. Angelo, it's 10.30. Right around that corner, there is a sandwich shop. They sell meatball sandwiches. Best I've ever tasted. Would you go get me two? Come on, partner. Thank you. Utah, give me two. Rounding out the cast, you had James LaGrosse as Roach, Lee Turgeson as Rosie, John Philbin as Nathaniel, and John C. McGinley as FBI Director Ben Harp. Just want to throw McGinley out there, talk a little bit about him, mostly because what a great actor he is. No matter what you put him in, he's just always wonderful. If you don't know who he is, he played Dr. Cox in Scrubs. He was also one of the Bobs in Office Space. A lot of fun to watch. We'll return after these messages. Jump on your boogie board, grab a stick of juicy fruit. The taste is gonna move you. Take a sniff. And now, back to our show. The film has quite a early 90s soundtrack. You have music by Rat, Concrete Blonde, L.A. Guns, Ice-T, Sheryl Crow, amongst many others. The song Nobody Rides for Free, which was the song from the film by Rat, did not appear on any of their albums, but it was only included on the soundtrack and later on a greatest hits. There is a score for the film. It was written by Mark Ware Isham. Isham is quite a prolific film composer, worked on a lot of different series of films and television shows. You should check out his soundtrack contributions list online. It's pretty amazing. Good luck getting the soundtrack itself. It was released in 2008 by La La Land Records with only 2,000 units made. Unfortunately, now it's out of print. The film was released in 1991 and it grossed $8.5 million on its opening weekend, behind 
Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and the reissue of Disney's 101 Dalmatians and Boys in the Hood. That's funny that Terminator 2, which was directed by Bigelow's then-husband, was number one. So family's got two slots of the top five. That's not bad. It would be Bigelow's highest-grossing movie until the release of Zero Dark Thirty in 2012. It had a budget of $24 million and would gross a worldwide total of $83.5 million. This is fun. You want to know what else was out that week? Besides the first four I mentioned, you had Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Naked Gun 2.5, Regarding Henry, City Slickers, Problem Child 2, The Rocketeer, Dying Young, Backdraft, Thelma and Louise, and Jungle Fever. I am pretty sure I saw most of those in the theater. Right after the film came out, 20th Century Fox made plans to have a sequel. There was a script written, it was in pre-production, and despite the fact that it made a lot of money, they decided to not move forward on the project. Cut to 2015, and a remake of the film called Point Break was released by Warner Brothers and Alcon Entertainment. I sat down and tried to watch that as well, and I had a really hard time getting through it. It's got some fun cinematography and some really interesting looking stunt work. I'm not sure how much of the stunt work was real, but it didn't have the heart of the original Point Break, so I can kind of see why it went nowhere. Unfortunately, they probably just should have stuck to the original and tried to reboot this in a pure way, or maybe just made a part two. Maybe not with the original characters, but along the same lines. I don't know. It's probably just better that they just made the one film. The film did inspire one thing that people really seem to love. In 2003 in Seattle, Washington, Point Break Live premiered, and Point Break Live is a parody by Jamie Keeling. In it, an unrehearsed actor is recruited to play the role of Johnny Utah and read the lines from cue cards, and of course, hilarity ensues. I've yet to see this live. I would love to. It does run in different places, and if it does appear near me, I will go see it. It seems like a really good time from what I could see online. We'll return after these messages. And now, back to our show. Point Break is an action film that is kind of ahead of its time. As I mentioned, the Fast and the Furious films are very similar to this. If they had had the foresight to try to push Point Break into a franchise at the time, who knows how many movies they could have made. The chemistry was certainly there. And now that I've seen both films, I could say that I like Point Break a lot better. I think it has a bit more personality. Maybe that just has to do with the direction. Maybe it's the writing. So if you're a Fast and the Furious fan, or maybe you're a Keanu Reeves or Patrick Swayze fan, and you haven't seen Point Break or haven't revisited it in a while, why don't you fire it up this weekend? It's got a silly plot. Sometimes the acting is a little heavy, but overall it's a very fun experience and it's very quotable. That is why it has persisted as a movie classic for all these years.
Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music in the show is by PG. If you like what you hear, why don't you email PG at PG at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. If you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Utah, get me two. Two. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.